everyone, I hope you're all doing so well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history and today we're going to be talking about the case of Stephen Grant. So Stephen Grant was a man who thought that he could do whatever he wanted in life and get away with it. He was a habitual liar, he was lazy, and he also had a huge ego. However, his wife Tara was smart and successful. She worked so hard, she was strong, she was independent, and she earned a lot of money, a lot more money than Stephen. And Stephen Grant's huge ego was bruised by this. He just didn't know how to handle it. And unfortunately, this led to Stephen carrying out something pretty terrible. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. So let's dive in. Stephen was born on the 18th of January, 1970, making him a Capricorn. He was born to parents Al and Susan Grant. He also had an older sister called Kelly, and the whole family lived in Sterling Heights, Detroit, Michigan. Now, in school, Stephen was described as a little bit odd, a little bit weird. He had a reputation for being a little bit nerdy, a little bit goofy, but that's pretty much it, which is, to be honest, a lot of kids. So nothing really out of the ordinary. He did struggle to make friends, though. He was kind of labelled uncool. Stephen's parents did get a divorce when he was 14 years old, and this did really affect Stephen because he only had one sister, and they were split up. But this was, from my understanding anyway, it was the children's choice. Stephen decided to stay with his mom, yet his sister Kelly chose to go and live with their dad. And Stephen had another personality trait that a lot of people have commented on. And it does seem to be a common trait in these videos because Stephen was a habitual liar. One example of this when Stephen was in high school is that he met another girl. She was from a different high school. And in order to impress her, he told her that he was a part of the basketball team, which was completely untrue. He wasn't on the team, which to be honest, doesn't seem that bad, does it? But unfortunately, this was a trait that would carry on into his adult life, which obviously would be a big deal. And going back to the girl that he met, him impressing her, saying that he was on the basketball team, it worked because he managed to get a date with this girl. But she soon found out that he lied about being on the basketball team. And she was like, yeah, no, this is over. We are done. And little lies like this are not unusual for kids and for teenagers, but it was a trait that carried on into his adult life. He was just that kind of person that didn't think that the rules applied to him. He just thought that he could blag his way through life and that everything would be handed to him. He was very entitled. And unfortunately with Stephen, I don't know who's to blame here, but he never seemed to be held accountable for anything that he did either. Because another example of this kind of behavior is that when he was 19 years old, his driving license got suspended because he had run up so many speeding tickets and he wasn't paying them. So his driving license got suspended, but he continued on driving on a suspended license. He was eventually arrested because he did get caught. Um, but he just thought that he could get away with it. Straight away after high school, Stephen did enroll in college, but he soon dropped out because he wasn't really interested in putting in hard work and he wanted a job that was going to get him a lot of money. So then after dropping out of college, he did try and apply to law school, but Stephen again, didn't have the commitment for law school because if there is anything that you need commitment for, it's law school. And this again goes back to his personality. He wanted a job that was going to give him a lot of money, but he wasn't willing 
willing to work for it. He wasn't willing to go out and get the qualifications needed for those kinds of jobs. His mindset was that he was entitled to a job that was going to pay him a lot of money. It should just be handed to him. So in the end, Stephen got a job working for the Democratic Party in hopes that by getting into politics, this would lead to more money. And it was in this job that he met a woman called Tara. Tara was born in rural Michigan where she lived with her parents and sister and Tara was like the complete opposite of Stephen in school. She was very charismatic, she was very popular, she excelled in school, she was very academically gifted and she was not afraid of hard work. She wanted to work and after finishing high school Tara was determined to have a successful career. So she went to Michigan State University to study for a degree in business administration and she was studying for her degree when she met Stephen Grant. So they had met through some mutual friends that they both had and Stephen was typical Stephen. He was lying to impress Tara. He was making up loads of stuff about himself thinking that this was going to impress her, which it didn't. Tara was not interested in Stephen at all. She actually found his personality off-putting. I think she could see right through his BS and Stephen just came across as a complete know-it-all. It's just so annoying annoying when people are like that. And Stephen's favorite topic of conversation was Stephen, which is never going to impress anyone, is it? And he just gave off the vibes that he felt like he was above everyone. So Tara turned him down. She was like, yeah, no, I don't want to be around you. Go away. But Stephen just kept popping up everywhere. It's really weird, isn't it? Because this is probably one of the only things that Stephen ever committed to. He really wanted to get a date with Tara. So he was just popping up left, right and center. Wherever Tara was, he was there, which is stalker vibes. And eventually she did agree to go on a date with him. So they go on their first date and Tara has warmed a little bit to Stephen and on the first date she's like, oh I don't think he's that bad, like maybe I have judged him a little bit too quickly. So then not long after their first date, they had only gone on this one date, Tara's grandfather died and Tara had to go back to her hometown to go to the funeral and whilst she was at the funeral, Stephen appeared and Tara was so shocked to see Stephen there because she was like, I was not expecting you to be here. Like, what are you doing here? And Stephen just said, I wanted to be here to support you. And he had traveled, I don't know how many miles, but it was hundreds of miles that he had traveled to go to Tara's grandfather's funeral. And Tara just thought, oh my God, that is really sweet. Like he didn't have to do that. And Stephen was showing how he felt in his actions, which is obviously so important. And Tara was like, you know what? I'm gonna give this relationship a go. And things got serious pretty quickly. Their relationship hit the fast forward button because within months of them dating, Stephen proposed to Tara at her graduation ceremony. And the two of them went on to get married. And in the beginning of their relationship, they were really happy and they went on to have two children. So we're skipping forward a bit now. We are now in early 2007. Stephen is 37 years old and Tara is 34. And they have two children, like I said, Lindsay, who is currently six years old and Ian, who is four years old. So at this point, Tara and Stephen and the two 
two kids were living in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, and the family were pretty well off financially. They were living in a really nice neighborhood. They had a really nice house. They drove really nice fancy cars. The children were in private school. And this was all thanks to Tara. Tara had lived up to her dreams. She had dreamed of having a successful career and she had made it happen. She had a very good job working for the engineering firm, Washington International Group. She had a six figure salary and she was traveling a lot with her job as well. Like she was going to London, she was going to various different countries in South America. She was going all over the States. And right now in 2007, Tara was based in Puerto Rico. So you're probably thinking, Hang on, Tara is based in Puerto Rico, but the family lives in Detroit, Michigan? Like, how does that work? Well, Tara had to travel to Puerto Rico Monday to Friday, and then she came back on Friday night, spent the weekend in Detroit, and then traveled back on Monday back to Puerto Rico. In the week, Monday to Friday, it was Stephen that stayed home with the kids. So, what about Steven's career? Well, as we probably all figured out from his personality type, the career that he wanted didn't exactly plan out. His first job in politics didn't last too long. And even though his first job in politics never really worked out, he still wanted to work in politics and he always planned to get another job in politics, but he never did. Like I said already, Stephen wants things handed to him. So because a job in politics wasn't handed to him, he didn't get another job in politics. Right now, Stephen was working with his dad, who was a tool maker. So Stephen was working in the machine shop Monday to Friday and also looking after the kids, whilst Tara was currently in Puerto Rico Monday to Friday. Now, Stephen was not happy with this arrangement. And when one parent has to work away and all of the responsibilities really of the house and of the children are left with one parent, obviously that can be very difficult. But the thing is, Stephen wasn't annoyed by that. <laughs> no, no, no. He was annoyed that Tara earned more money than him. He felt like that emasculated him. Tara's Christmas bonus check was more money than what Stephen earned at the machine shop for a whole year. So yeah, Stephen only didn't like this arrangement because Tara earned more money than him. And it's just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, that is such a backwards way of thinking. I just feel like who cares? Who cares who earns more money? If you're in a relationship, you're in a partnership, you should be equal. It's like, it doesn't really matter. And I do feel like I need to make this clear that Tara never rubbed it in Stephen's face that she was earning more money. She never emasculated him at all. Like she never did anything like that. This was all Stephen. This was all in Stephen's head. Stephen also found that because Tara was a mom, she should be the one that stays at home with the kids. <laughs> I don't even feel like I need to make a comment on that. Stephen said, quote, I was a better mom than Tara. There's no other way to put it. I was the mom of the house. She was gone all the time, which again is a load of crap because Tara absolutely adored her children. Yes, she was gone Monday to Friday, but that doesn't mean that she cares any less for her children. She would dote on her children all the time. She was always in contact with them and she made her career work as well as being a mom. She spent as much time with her children as she possibly could. I mean, she was flying back home every weekend to be 
be with her kids, to be with her family. And whenever she went back to Puerto Rico, she would leave little notes for her children, telling them how much they meant to her, how much she loved them. And it's just crazy, isn't it? Because if the roles were reversed, I guarantee you, Stephen wouldn't be thinking like this. I also don't think that if Stephen was the one working away, if he was having to fly to Puerto Rico, I guarantee you, he would not be coming home every weekend. And that has got nothing to do with the fact that he's a dad or anything like that. It's got everything to do with Stephen's personality. So Stephen's attitude towards this arrangement was definitely a source of tension in the relationship. So because Tara was away Monday to Friday, Stephen was working full-time at the machine shop, both of them decided to hire an au pair to help out looking after the children. Now, I had never actually heard of the term au pair before this case. So please correct me if I'm wrong with my description of what an au pair is in the comments. But from my understanding, an au pair is kind of like a live-in nanny, but the person comes from a different country. A lot of the time, au pairs are younger, and most of the time they're also studying, and they live with a family to look after the children in exchange for accommodation and also payment. So Stephen and Tara were hiring au pairs to help out with childcare. And Tara was also really keen on this idea as well, because hiring an au pair will hopefully help the children learn another language. So Stephen and Tara had hired a number of au pairs over the last few years, but none of them seemed to last very long. So at this point, they had just hired their seventh au pair, who was 19-year-old Verena from Germany. So after hiring Verena, Stephen was spending a lot of time with her when Tara was obviously in Puerto Rico working. And I bet you're all thinking, I know where this is going. I do, I do. And you're right. It didn't take long for Stephen to start flirting with Verena. And then one day, Stephen just approached Verena and pretty much blurted out, I think you're beautiful. I want to sleep with you. Did he really think that that was going to be appealing? But unfortunately, Verena did seem to find this appealing. And it wasn't that long until Stephen and Verena were having sex on a pretty regular basis in the family home and the kids were also in the house at the same time. And apparently this was not the first time Stephen had cheated on Tara with an au pair. Mm -mm, no. Apparently he cheated on Tara with nearly all of the au pairs. Stephen used to visit his local Buffalo Wild Wings and he was heard bragging about all of the au pairs that he had slept with and he also was bragging about the au pairs and how they would undress in front of him. But remember that this is Stephen talking, we can't trust anything that he says, but we do know that he is sleeping with Verena. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had cheated on Tara with the other au pairs. This is Stephen, we gotta take what he says with a grain of salt. And Stephen justified this affair to himself because he told himself that Tara was also having an affair in Puerto Rico with her boss, which 
spoiler, she wasn't. So now we get to Friday the 9th of February 2007 and unfortunately this is the day that the tragic events of today's case take place. So it was a Friday so Tara had just returned from work from Puerto Rico and she had spent the evening with the kids. And then later on that evening when the kids had gone to bed, Tara walked into her bedroom Stephen was in the bedroom. I feel like I need to stress this, but Stephen was naked at the time. And Tara said to Stephen that unfortunately, because of work and the schedule that she had for the following week, she was gonna have to return to Puerto Rico one day early. She was gonna have to go back on Sunday instead of Monday. And Stephen just absolutely lost it. He started shouting at Tara, being quite horrible really. He was saying that she doesn't care about her kids, she doesn't care about her family, she's always gone. And he was also saying things like, how dare she go back early? And then Stephen, after he's done shouting, just comes out with it and says, is this because you're having an affair with your boss? The audacity of this man accusing his wife of having an affair and pretending to be all her and in his feelings when he's having an affair. And the two of them got into a massive argument following this. I feel like I need to stress this again. Stephen is naked this whole time. And apparently at some point in the argument, Tara slapped Stephen. And in response, Stephen hit her back. According to Stephen, and I need to stress that, according to Stephen, after Stephen had hit her, she said, right, that's it. I'm done. I'm taking the kids and you're going to be fucking homeless. And it was following this that Stephen grabbed on to Tara's throat and just started to strangle her. Stephen held his hands on Tara's throat and was strangling her for approximately four minutes. And it was at some point during this four minutes that Stephen took a t-shirt and placed it over Tara's face because he didn't want to look her in the eye. He wanted to detach himself from the situation. And I know that the t-shirt over the face could be a sign of remorse, but I can tell you now, his actions following this definitely show no remorse. And tragically, Tara did not survive this attack. Stephen had strangled her to death. So Stephen has now murdered his wife, Tara. And it's not actually known if this was a premeditated murder or not. Obviously, Stephen is never going to admit that it was premeditated. But in that moment, Stephen 100% intended to kill his wife. I mean, you don't strangle somebody. You don't hold your hand over someone's throat for four minutes and not intend to kill them. I mean, four minutes is a very, very, very long time. So following the murder, Stephen had to figure out, okay, so what am I supposed to do with this body? I probably should have stressed this before, but the children are in the house when this happens. And Stephen realized that he had to get the body out of the house. But Stephen tried to carry Tara's body, but he couldn't. So what he does next is absolutely disgusting. The lack of respect. I mean, obviously he has just murdered his wife. So already that is a lack of respect. But what he does now convinces me that he has no remorse over what he's done. So he gets one of his belts and he puts the belt around Tara's neck and then drags her body by the belt and he drags her body down the stairs by the bell. It's like, oh my God. And I feel like as well, I need to point out that Stephen is still naked as he's doing this and his kids are just asleep. 
a couple of rooms down. It's like they could wake up at any moment. I'm glad that they didn't. So he drags Tara's body all the way down to the garage and he tries to get her body into his SUV. He picks up her body, but he drops it. And in Stephen's own words, when he dropped Tara's body, he said that it sounded like dropping a watermelon on concrete. And he said that after hearing that sound, he knew that Tara was definitely dead. And I still cannot get over that the children are in the house. This man is just completely sick. So he eventually gets Tara's body into his SUV and then he returns back to the house. And it was pretty much only moments after he returned back to the house that Marina returned back to the house because obviously she lives there as well. And she was just out with some friends and she returned home. And when she's walking through the front door, she sees Stephen and she's like, where's Tara? And Stephen puts on his victim face because he's like, oh, me and Tara had a fight. We had an argument. It's over. She's left me. He is really trying his hardest to get Marina to feel sorry for him. It's just like, oh my God. And it was from this moment onwards that Stephen continued on that fake little story that Tara had left him. She had ran out on him. She was cheating on him and she had returned back to Puerto Rico. So after Stephen tells Verena this little story, he then starts to call Tara's cell phone. Obviously she doesn't answer. So he starts to leave her voice messages. He's saying things like, I haven't heard from you. Like what's going on? Are you okay? He is texting her similar things as well when he knows full well that he has just murdered her. But what Stephen is actually doing here is he's covering his tracks. He's laying all of those breadcrumbs so when the police come around, he has got a story to tell. He looks innocent. So Stephen goes to bed and then the next day he gets up, he says goodbye to his kids and he leaves in the SUV. And he takes Tara's body to his dad's machine shop. And this is where he decides that he is going to dismember Tara's body. I just don't know how anyone, anyone can claim to love their children when they have done something like Stephen has done. Because obviously earlier on in the story, he was saying how much he cared about his kids and how he was the mom and he was a better parent than Tara. Well, it doesn't really seem like it does it, Stephen, because you have just murdered your children's mother and then you're going around pretending that everything is okay and everything is normal. Oh, I will just never be able to understand these people. So Stephen in his dad's machine shop goes about dismembering Tara's body. He separates the limbs and the head from the body. So all that was left was the torso. He then wrapped all of the body parts in plastic tarp and placed them in large containers. He then heads to Stony Creek Park. And when he gets there, I don't know the layout, okay? But wherever he was in this park, he was at the top of a hill. And it was actually snowing around this time. So he took his children's sled to move Tara's body around this park. And he was at the top of this hill 
and he lets the sled go accidentally. And the sled is going down this huge hill. And Stephen has said that when the sled reached the bottom of the hill, Tara's body parts actually spilled out. And amazingly, no one seemed to notice this whole thing. I don't know whether this park is pretty big. I don't know if anyone would have been around. I don't know, but no one sees any of this. No one notices. So then once he retrieves all of the body parts that have spilled out, he then goes into the woods and he buries Tara's body into shallow graves. And the reason why he didn't really care that he had only put Tara's body in shallow graves, he was hoping that wildlife would come around and eat the remains before anyone saw them. And then following him burying Tara's body, he returns home and he just carries on the act that him and Tara argued and that she ran out on him. Oh, and during this time, Stephen continues on sleeping with Marina, of course. However, people soon started to ask, like, where is Tara? Because even though she worked Monday to Friday in Puerto Rico, she would still be in contact with people. She would still contact her children on a daily basis. And people were starting to think, where the hell is she? Because no one had heard from her. And obviously she hadn't turned up for work. So she was clearly not in Puerto Rico. Eventually on Valentine's Day, which is the only connection to Valentine's Day in this case, Stephen finally went to the police to report his wife missing. So when the police hear Stephen's story, the first question that they ask is, why have you waited so long to report your wife missing? She went missing five days ago. Like, what the hell has taken you so long? And immediately, Stephen starts getting a little shifty. He starts like acting really nervous. Like he doesn't make eye contact. And from this moment on, he couldn't really seem to give straight answers. So this was an immediate tell to the police okay, something is not quite right here. But the police at this point, even though they may be a little bit suspicious of Stephen's story, right now, Tara is only a missing person. They have no reason to suspect Stephen at this point. I mean, I'm gonna be completely honest. If I was in that room hearing his story, I would definitely suspect him of something, but that's just me. And the police set up a search party to try and find Tara. And it was during this time that Stephen started to play up to the media. And I feel like we've done this quite a few times recently. You would think that because they've just committed a murder, they wouldn't want attention. It just doesn't make sense. I hope Tara walks in that door right there. If not, I hope myself has 10 messages from her. And in the interviews, of course, Stephen is playing the victim card. He's like pretending to be really concerned for his wife and her whereabouts. And he just wants her to return home. And he starts like screwing up his face as if he's crying, but there's no tears coming down. Stephen, you're not fooling anyone. Please call anybody, call the police, call me, call and let's call someone. You see her? Please. And as the investigation was going on, the police were just getting more and more suspicious of Stephen because his story was just not adding up. So as part of the investigation, the police looked at Tara's cell phone records. They looked at her credit cards, her passport, and none of them had been used. So the police were just like, 
what the hell, this is just so weird. You're telling me that Tara has been missing for five days. There is no suspicious activity. There is no reason to think that she has been abducted in some kind of way. And you're telling me that she hasn't used her cell phone. She hasn't used any of her cards and she hasn't used her passport, which she would have done to go back to Puerto Rico. What is going on here? In fact, the police realize that there's no evidence that Tara even left the family home on that Friday night after the argument. And when the police confront Stephen of this, when they confront him and say, listen, there's no evidence that Tara left this home. Can you explain this? It was at this point that Stephen just completely shut down and he stopped cooperating with the police, which was just even more suspicious. So the police set up surveillance on Stephen to see if they could see anything dodgy. It was around the same time that the police announced that they were going to do a thorough search of Stony Creek Park. I don't know why the police decided to do this. Clearly they had some kind of hunch that something might be there. And of course, this was the place that Stephen had buried Tara's body. So Stephen immediately starts to panic and he heads to Stony Creek Park to dig up Tara's torso. He only decided to dig up the torso because he thought that that was the easiest body part to find and he takes it back home. I thought the police had set up surveillance on Stephen. How is he able to go and do this and not get caught? The police completely searched the park and no trace of Tara was found. And the time had really passed on now. It was two weeks after the murder and Stephen had started to think that he was in the clear. However, on the 28th of February, a woman that was walking through the park in a remote area of the park comes across a plastic bag under the tree and it was covered in blood. She reported it to the police and it was soon confirmed that the blood was Tara's blood. So at this point, the police now change their investigation. This is no longer a missing persons case. This is now a murder case. And this was enough for the police to get a search warrant for Stephen's home. When they arrive at the home, they knock on the door, Stephen answers, and the police tell him, we need to look around. And Stephen is just like, oh, go ahead, look around, uh, take your time. Uh, by the way, I've actually just got to pop out and take the dog for a walk. And the police let Stephen leave. Why? Why, why, why? He is a potential suspect. Why the hell would they let him leave? but they do. When the police entered the garage, this is when they came across a large object wrapped in plastic. And one of the officers poked the bag, which is just never a good idea. The police officer reported that whatever was in the bag was squishy. So they opened up the bag and this is when they found the torso of Tara Grant. And now the police are like, okay, so we need to go and arrest Stephen. But oh crap, we just let him walk out the bloody door. Because as soon as the police arrived at Stephen's home, Stephen knew that the game was up. He knew that Tara's torso was in the garage. He knew that the police would find it. So Stephen jumped in his car and drove off. Stephen had stopped to buy himself a load of pills, alcohol, and a razor blade. It turns out that Stephen wasn't planning on getting out of this alive. He wanted to commit suicide. Stephen also bought a toy gun and he had blacked out the red tip 
safe because if the police found him, he wanted the police to think that that was a real gun, not a toy gun. Because Stephen thought that if his plans of committing suicide fell through, well then Stephen's plan B was to commit suicide by cop. Stephen headed for Wilderness State Park. This is a place that him and Tara visited quite often, so he knew the area pretty well. When he got to the park, he wrote two letters to his children saying goodbye, and then he heads into the forest. At the same time, the FBI have gotten involved in this case, and a huge manhunt for Stephen was underway. And after two days, two whole days, they do find Stephen in the Wilderness State Park. He was found just in the middle of nowhere. He was sat under a tree, I think, and he was suffering from hypothermia. He was barely clinging onto his life. He was semi-conscious. He was talking to himself. So Stephen was still alive. We obviously don't really know what happened. He did have drugs and alcohol in his system and he was airlifted to a hospital in Michigan. Stephen did recover in hospital and immediately after recovery, he was arrested and charged with the murder of Tara. Stephen at this point didn't really see the point in trying to hide what happened. So he did come clean about everything. Stephen gave a full confession and the police were shocked at how cold he was and the detailed description that he went into, it was just shocking. She fell and then she banged back her head on the floor and then she said something like, that's it, I'm gonna take kids, you're gonna be homeless, you're a piece of I choked, I neck She finally grabbed my hand at one point, but it was too late then. I wrapped something, a belt around her neck. I think it was my brown leather belt, and I knew I couldn't carry her. So I wrapped that around her neck, and I used it to basically pull her down the stairs, stopped her. It was the most disgusting noise. It just sounded like dropping a watermelon on the cement. I knew then that I had killed her. I cut Tara's hands off, then I cut to the next joint, and the next joint. And then I just told myself, look, if you don't do this, you're going to prison for the rest of your life. The sled took off. And now I'm chasing after this sled that has my wife's cut body in it down a hill. And I finally got it stopped when it fell over and it broke. And all these pieces of now fall all over the place. And following his confession, the police went straight back to Stony Creek Park and they did manage to recover some more of Tara's remains. However, not all of her remains have been found. Police also searched Stephen's dad's machine shop and they found blades there that still had remains of Tara's flesh on them. Stephen's case went to trial and he was found guilty of second degree murder. He was found guilty of second degree murder because it's not clear if the murder was premeditated or not and he was sentenced to 50 to 80 years in prison and he still remains there to this day. And after Stephen's confession, Tara's funeral did take place, which was an incredibly sad event. Tara was remembered as an absolutely devoted and amazing mother to her two children, which she adored so much despite what Stephen had tried to say. Tara was an independent and highly driven woman who had worked hard to support her children and support her family. Tara's children were placed in the care of their aunt, Tara's sister, who took great care of them. And as the children have grown up, both of them have campaigned against domestic violence 
in honor and memory of their mother. Every year, the two children, Lindsay and Ian, arrange a 5K walk in honor and memory of their mother, and it takes place every single year. We'll take a look at this video. You're looking at some folks who were teaming up for the fight against domestic violence. This was one of the past Tara's Walks events honoring the memory of Tara Grant, a woman from Macomb County who was murdered by her husband 12 years ago. And the walk is to help raise funds for the Turning Point Charity, which is a charity against domestic violence. And I will leave a link to that charity down below in the description box if you wanted to go check them out. And that was the case, the very sad, tragic case of Stephen Grant murdering his wife, Tara Grant, which is just so sad. It really is. Like, I always just think of the children in these cases because they've lost both parents. They have. In that one moment, Stephen decided to take both of those children's parents away from them, which is just not fair. It's not fair just because Stephen and his ego was bruised. He decided to change his children's life for forever. And that is unforgivable and it's not fair. And I hope Lindsay and Ian are doing okay. And that brings us to the end of the episode on Stephen Grant. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Maker. And if you enjoy the show, it would mean so much if you could leave a five-star review. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios, and I'll see you all in the next one. <laughs>